Hey Peace Family, I'm John Huneman and you are invited to a special event hosted by our new Peace for Justice ministry. On March 16th at 7pm on Zoom, we are going to have a conversation with Steve Garland, who is the founder and executive director of the E.L. Hardy Center, which works to help underprivileged children and their families by providing mentorship and safe spaces to be curious and learn new skills. You can sign up to hear more about Steve's unexpected journey to founding the Hardy Center, the daily challenges that local families face, and how they're overcoming them. Sign up now at peacegahanna.org or with the link in the show notes. Okay. Here's the sermon. So we wrap up our sermon series moving forward today as next week, believe it or not, begins the Lent season. And I want to throw out this question to you this morning. What's in a name? What is in a name? I was thinking about this in terms of my own name, and something that occurred to me is the fact that my wife, Laura, almost never calls me by my name. She'll say, hun, or whatever it is to, to get my attention, but the only time I actually hear her use my name, I bet you can guess, it's when I'm in trouble. And it's Often when we're having an argument of some sort, I will hear, Doug, not very often Douglas, but Doug with a bite to it. Now my dad, on the other hand, dad, if you're watching, I, I always knew when I was growing up, when I was in trouble, I'd be laying up in my room, he'd find out something that I had done or the grades came in the mail, and I would hear from the bottom of the stairs... Douglas, and I knew, like, when I was called Douglas, that was bad news, bad news. Now, it's, it's kind of appropriate, though, because I did a little bit of research into my name, and Douglas comes from the Gaelic, and it literally means black water or black river. So in a sense, my name literally is Mud. Literally. Now, I always thought in terms of biblical characters, I probably would more appropriately have been named Esau. Do any of you know what Esau's name really means? Harry. Harry. So he, he's born first, and then comes his brother. And we're going to get into looking at Jacob a little bit more today. But Jacob follows Esau, follows Harry. And Jacob's name comes from the sense that while they're, while they're uh, being born, Jacob, who's the second born, is grabbing at his brother's heel. So Jacob's name literally means heel grabber. Now, they're born of their father Isaac. Some of you may remember how Isaac got his name because when Abram, who later became Abraham and Sarai, who later became Sarah, both of those characters got renamed as part of the story, but they were, they were so older in years when they conceived and God said, you will give birth to a son, they laughed. Sarah in particular laughed, and so they named Isaac, Isaac because it means they laughed. So there's all of these characters in the book of Genesis that's names have to do with their place or their part of the story in their lives. 
So let's dive more into the story that we have today, which comes from Genesis chapter 32. If you've got a Bible at home and want to follow along, Genesis chapter 32, what happens in the story is we have Jacob. It's kind of toward the latter parts of the stories of Jacob. We know uh, the birth stories early on. He, he stole the birthright from his brother Harry slash Esau, and uh, the story goes on and on. Jacob is certainly not a moral character, one that we lift up and celebrate. He's always been conceiving and kind of going about things in a shady sort of way. And here, Jacob is getting ready to meet for the first time since he cheated him, his much stronger and mighty brother. And so it starts with Jacob taking his two wives and his maids and sending them along with the kids and all of their uh, livestock and, and belongings. He sends them across the Jabbok River so that they're safe out of the way in case something happens to him. At least his family and what they own is safe out of the way. And then the story says this, Jacob was alone. Now, what's interesting is this is the first time Jacob has been mentioned to be alone since earlier in the story when he fell asleep. And you remember what happened during that part of the story. He fell asleep, he put his head on a rock, and the, he had this dream of a ladder coming up and down from heaven, and he encountered the presence of God. And in that story, he says, surely God was in this place, and I didn't know it. But here, he's alone, and he's waiting for his brother Esau to arrive. But it's not Esau that shows up at the scene. It's a stranger. And the story says that the stranger and he wrestled until daybreak. But here's the interesting thing. So you think about when it was that they wrestled, Jacob and this unnamed stranger. They wrestled all throughout the night. They wrestled, if you want to take it into somewhat of a metaphor, they wrestled in the darkness. So the story is, in a sense, about struggling, wrestling in dark periods of our lives. This is a very common theme in the Bible. There's always struggle. There's always wrestling in dark periods of life. Look at the character Job. Job, his, who had all of this famine and lost all of uh, of everything that was important to him. And Job's name literally means persecution. Persecution. There's another story in the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, we meet Naomi. Naomi loses her husband and loses both of her sons in a short period of time. And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means pleasant. Instead, I want you to call me Mara. Mara means bitter. I was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago, and she just lost a parent, 
Her husband has cancer, and everyone in their family had COVID. I think we all can relate to the fact that there are dark periods in our life where it seems like one bad thing after another bad thing seems to be taking place. Now let's go back to the story, and I have a verse here to put up. They wrestled all throughout the night, Jacob and this stranger. And it says, Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then the stranger says, let me go, for day is breaking. Let me go, for day is breaking. It's dawn. We've gotten through this period of struggle together, and now the dawn is breaking. So the struggle needs to come to a metaphorical end here because the sun is out. I mean, we know that, don't we? It's always, it seems like nighttime is always when that anxiety, I know many of you are like me, at 4 o'clock in the morning, anxiety is a lot higher than it is at 9 o'clock in the morning. So the dawn has come out, and the stranger says, let me go. And there's this sense that the two almost appreciate each other. I was thinking about this. It's, it's not like they're enemies here. They're, they're in the conflict, even though it's against each other, they're in the conflict with each other. It's almost like at the end of Rocky One, the only real Rocky movie worth watching. Some of you are going to argue with me right now. But Rocky One is, it, it, at the end of it, they've just pummeled each other to a pulp. And at the end, as, as Apollo is declared the winner debatable, but, but they, they embrace. And do you remember what Apollo says? Ain't going to be no rematch. And Rocky says, don't want one. And then we have eight movies later. But they, so it's this whole sense where they, even though they fought against each other, they have this respect for each other and they grew because of each other. And in a sense, there's this attraction that happens out of their conflict with each other. There's a rabbi, famous old, older rabbi named Rashi, and he talks about the fact that when we wrestle with each other, some of the same characteristics come out as when we embrace each other. So let's go back to the story. So finally, we see that these two break up from their wrestling match, and the stranger asks Jacob this question. And this is, this is the key to the whole story, in my opinion. The stranger says, what's your name? Who are you? Now, keep in mind, all throughout the story of Jacob, he's lied about almost everything. The heel grabber here has, has been filled with deceit. And at one point, he even deceived his own father who was lying on his deathbed in order to get his brother's birthright. His father says, what's your name? And do you remember what Jacob said? As he put on some, some animal's skin, 
And his father touched his shoulder, felt the hair, and Jacob says, my name is Esau. All throughout, he's been lying about who he is. And here, when this stranger says, what's your name? Look at how Jacob responds. And he said, Jacob. He's gotten to the point where he admits he's the heel grabber. <laughs> he admits who he is, and he's just being honest. Now, I don't know, when I read this, I, I think that's such a powerful verse, and when I read this, I picture the stranger at that point with a grin, smiling. <laughs> it's a really powerful scene. And then, then the stranger goes on and he says, okay, since now you've admitted who you really are and you're honest about yourself, now I'm going to change your name. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. So you see what the, what the stranger is saying here? Guess who you were just wrestling with? You were just wrestling with God. And somehow in the midst of that, the two of them grew together. And, and what I actually take out of this story is, is this sort of image that, that God is in the struggle with us. Even though here it seems that they're wrestling against each other, I think what we're really supposed to take from this story is that when we're wrestling with things in life, we do it with God. God is in the struggle with us. I mean, for us as followers of Jesus Christ, we see even Jesus, the Son of God, wrestles from time to time with God. We see him in a garden saying, God, take this cup away from me, and then finally comes to the conclusion, not my will, but your will be done. And then on the cross, he cries out, God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, this same person Jesus Christ at one point said to all of us, I will be with you to the end of the age. It's a sense that no matter what the struggle is, we're not going through it alone. Remember the, the uh, opening song to one of my favorite all-time TV shows. Some of you may not remember this except in Netflix reruns. Cheers. You remember the opening song? You want to go where everybody knows, you want me to sing it? You want to go where everybody knows your name? And then at one point, they also say the verse where our struggles are all the same. What I love about that song is it's a perfect image of church. 
of being a part of a faith community where we, we and we miss that right now, don't we? And I, I'm so excited that some people are going to be back here next week, and if you're not comfortable with that, please continue to join us online. But, but there's this sense, I, I've, I've been really struggling with the fact that it's, I, I so burn out on not being able to see all of you all the time. Because I want to call you by name again. <laughs> not just know that you're watching online. And, and I love the fact that when we come together and we, we find ways to connect with each other, we realize that we share in the same struggles. That we're not alone. Often, the problems I'm wrestling with are problems that you've wrestled with or are currently wrestling with. And, and when we're really honest with each other and we move past our false Facebook posts, we realize that, in a sense, we're all heel grabbers from time to time. Sometimes all of us are named mud. We've all been there. We've all struggled. So whether your name is Mark, Sally, Melissa, Frank, Kelly, here's what I want you to know this morning. Whatever your name is, we're in the struggle together, and so is God. And so is God.